those watching online, it's great to have you all here this morning. Looking forward to a time of worship and praise together, fellowship and hearing from God's word. This morning, before we uh, get started here, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. I thank you that you are a good father and that you care more deeply for each one of us than we could possibly imagine. And so, Father, I pray that you would meet with each one of us here, that you would pour out your spirit and touch each life in a special way this morning, whether it's through the singing, through your word, or through our fellowship. I pray that you would be exalted this morning, that your name would be honored and glorified, and that we would be strengthened in you today. I thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. We have Drew and Olivia here with us this morning again that are going to lead our worship time. So I'll turn it over to them. And uh, after that, uh, we will have some children singing. Um, that's, uh, it's been a little bit since we've done that. So I hope your kids are excited for that again. All right? God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? He is. Oh Lord God, I just thank you for this beautiful day. If y'all want us to go ahead and stand. Um, I just thank you, God, that you're taking such good care of us. I thank you that you're our Father. day we can wake up and we always have something to praise you for. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Rich in love, and you're slow to 
thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name.
like a bride like a bride waiting for her groom will be a church ready for you every heart longing for our king we sing even so
God, I thank you that you are good, and I thank you, Jesus, that you are eternal, you are from everlasting, Lord God. I've said it this morning before once, but Lord, I want to say it again. We do not define you. You are who you are without us, You, but you have chosen us to be your people, and Lord, we, we love you, and we, we desire to be your people. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today, and I pray that we would receive from you. And then we wouldn't harden our hearts, but we would soften our hearts and receive your word, and that it would change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated.
But I wanted to talk to you guys about something that I've been thinking about in the last couple of weeks especially. And I bet you guys can guess what it is. What do you think I've been thinking about a lot lately? Nope. Try again. Is there something that you guys have been thinking about a lot lately in the last month? Ooh. Well, what made you think about that? It's true. I have been thinking, especially since Lari passed away, about death. That's not something that we always like to think about, huh? Do you guys love to think about death and dying? Not really? Sometimes You do? Sometimes it's not really something that we like to think about a lot. But I was reading in 1 Corinthians this last week, and I just loved what it had to say. And I wanted to talk about um, a different perspective on death than what the world has, right? If we don't know Jesus and we think of dying, we would be really, really scared, huh? Yeah. Um, but when we know Jesus, we don't have to be scared. So in 1 Corinthians, and this is the Living Bible, um, it says, But someone may ask, How will the dead be brought back to life again? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. Well, don't you touch my potting soil. Mm -mm. You will find the answer in your own garden. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And when the green shoot comes up out of the seed, it is very different from the seed you first planted. For all, let's see. For all you put into the ground is a dry little seed of wheat or whatever it is you are planting. Maybe some roses, maybe some zucchini. Um, then God, what? Ooh, and they can get really big and feed a lot of people. Okay, and then God gives it a beautiful new body, just the kind he wants it to have. A different kind of plant grows from each kind of seed. And just as there are different kinds of seeds and plants, so also there are different kinds of flesh. Like humans, animals, fish, and birds are all different. The angels in heaven have bodies far different from ours, and the beauty and the glory of their bodies is different from the beauty and the glory of ours. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars have another kind. And the stars differ from each other in their beauty and brightness. In the same way, our earthly bodies, which die and decay, are different from the bodies we shall have when we come back to life again, for they will never die. The bodies we have now sometimes embarrass us, for they become sick and they die, but they will be full of glory when we come back to life again. Yes, we are weak, dying bodies now, but when we live again, they will be full of strength. They are just human bodies at death, but when they come back to life, they will be superhuman bodies. For just as there are natural human bodies, there are also supernatural spiritual bodies. Hey, boys, can you come back over here? JJ, come back over here. That way I can see you, and then you can help me with my project. Come. Um, so what this is talking about is that... Um, even though our bodies die, just like Laurie's died about four weeks ago, right? All of us are one day going to die unless Jesus comes back first. But are those bodies going to stay buried? What do you think? Is Laurie dead today? 
No, she's actually alive. And God is going to give her a new body just the same way as he is all of us. So what I wanted to show you guys is the same way that you can plant a seed into the ground, but it has to die first to come back to life. I know, it's hard to understand, huh? But that's what God said, and that's how he made it. You understand it? So God gives it new life, and in the same way, we will get brand new bodies, bodies that will never get old, that will never get sick, that are never tired, and that are built to last for all eternity. But Sherry, you're going to die, and then you're going to come back as Sherry. Yeah. You're going to have a brand new body. So I know it's kind of hard to understand right now, but it's something I've been thinking about, and I wanted to help you guys understand it by planting some seeds. Okay, so you all can come help me. You can all get a cup. And see if you can do this without making a massive mess. Just put a little bit about, a, let's see. Oh, hey, Denzel, come help us. You can put about, let's see, that much in each one. Here you go. Let's do maybe one or two at a time. There you go. It's okay. Sorry, whoever is going to be vacuuming <laughs> later. <laughs> there you go. Oh, sorry, Lukey. <laughs> okay, here, let me help you. It's getting a little bit harder. There you go. Oh, yes, that's important. And you know what? That reminds me. Lukey, could you fill this up with water for me? Thank you. In the kitchen? All right, so pack it down a little bit. Here, Denzel, we're not done yet. You can stay here. Can you pack it down just a little bit? Just wait. Yep. He's going to get some water. But what else do you think we need? Do you think something will just start growing out of this? Oh, we need seeds. Okay, pack it down just a little. Here, this is a little bit much. Very good. Oh, doesn't that smell good? <laughs> can you smell that? It smells like mint. Okay, now we're each going to plant a seed. And these are so tiny. It's amazing to think that something can grow out of these tiny seeds. But who makes them grow? Yeah, God does. He uses the sunshine and the rain and Wait. the soil. What? Okay, this is how tiny they are. So what I want you to do is take one little tiny seed and just put it, push it right down into that. It's okay. I'll get it. I'll get you some more. Let's go over here. Here we go. Mm -hmm. You could, let's see, you could probably do about two or three each, I think, and just stuff it in a little bit. Denzo, did you plant a seed? So just go like that, and then you stuff it in with your finger. Here's another one. Now just push it down. There you go. Did everybody plant a couple seeds? Okay, you could do you could do two more. You could do three each. You did three? Oh here, JJ, let me help you. Oh, you did four? Okay. So there you go, that's good. Then cover it just real gentle with some more soil. Very good. Okay. 
Did you plant some? Okay, now we'll put a little bit of water. Just like that. Oh, you did. Oh, don't dry. It's okay. Little bit of water. Do you want to help Denzel? And then you can all write your name, or I can help you write your name on here, and you can stick it in there. And then every couple days, you can give it a little tiny bit of water. Maybe put it by your wind on a windowsill somewhere. So the sun, yeah. But you don't want it to get too cold, right? Yeah, it's coming around. Do you want to help him? Yeah. Okay. He can't. Oh, I bet he can get it. You can do yours and then we can do his. Here, she's going to do hers and then we'll do yours. There you go. Oh, perfect. Can you do that? It will melt. Perfect. Good job. It says burpee because it's a burpee kind of seed. Uh huh. That's the kind of seeds that it is. Did you have some water yet? Okay, everybody got some water? Yeah. And then we have, so you don't want to mess with it too much so that those seeds can have a chance to go down and then they'll grow something else. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, we'll write your name on it and then it'll go in. Can you guys think of some things that come from seeds? What are some things that you can think of that start from a seed? Just a teeny tiny seed. Look how tiny these are. What's something that starts from a seed? It's like a tomato just like growed. Yeah, a tomato starts from a seed. What's something else that starts from a seed? Peas. Plants? Plants? Yes. Tiny, what starts from the seed? Roses. Roses. What's something else that starts? Uh, I don't know. A tree? Tree. Yeah. Tree. Yeah, tree. A tree? Did you know trees start from tiny little seeds? Isn't that amazing? What's something else that starts from a Cantaloupe. <laughs> Cantaloupe. Yum. What else? Can you think of something? Tomatoes. Tomatoes? What else? Flowers. Yes, all kinds of flowers. Can you think of something? What's your favorite flower? Sunflowers. Sunflowers, yes. Can you think of something? What starts from a seed? Wait, what's your favorite food? Cucumbers. Cucumbers. Yes, cucumbers are yummy. I love cucumbers. Isn't it amazing? And what gives all those seeds life? Who gives all those seeds life? God, in the same way that he made our bodies and he's going to make us brand new bodies someday too. No, we're just going to do one each. You didn't get to write your name? Oh, Blakey's almost done here. Sherry will write her name and then 
you can write one for Denzel. Did everyone else get one? Okay, so if we take good care of them, they will grow. But if we don't, they probably won't. So <laughs> we'll have to try to take good care of them and see if we can get them to grow and see what they're going to become. Do you have any idea what they're going to become? A bean, bean, a beanstalk. Yeah. Oh, surprise. Uh, yes, I think so. Unless it's EL, I'm not sure. Okay, you put it back. Okay, so you can go back to your parents and try to take good care of them and see if you can get them to grow. I was going to put that on, but it's okay. It was just for the, for this. Thanks, Papa. Okay. I'll wipe it off. Thanks, guys. Great lesson for the kids, and oh, it's good to hear the kids singing again. And did you enjoy that, kids? Did you like singing again? It's been a little while since you sang like that. That was great, wasn't it? Thank you, Carrie and Jason, for leading that, and Drew and Olivia for leading our time of praise and worship. That was a real blessing. So, or a few announcements before we move on to our time of sharing the word. Um, for visitors that are new with the facilities here, our, our restrooms are down that hallway to my left, just straight back there. After the service, we share a meal together, and uh, I believe Faith is in charge of that one today. It's going to be good, trust me, so stick around for that. Um, it's a great time of, of fellowship, and uh, there will be plenty, so please stay and enjoy the meal and a time of fellowship with us. Um, there is tea and coffee and water back in the foyer there, but please feel free to help yourselves to that as well. I don't think I have any other announcements. Phil, do you have any announcements at all? Bible study Wednesday evening here at 7 at 6.30. And anybody is welcome to that. You're welcome to the Book of Ruth. That's always a good one. So feel free to come, invite your friends and neighbors, and enjoy that time of Bible study. It's kind of a an informal time of getting together and sharing around God's Word. All right, before we turn it over to Brother Phil for the sermon today, let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for... This time we've had together already this morning, I thank you that your presence is here with us and that your spirit is real and alive in our hearts. I pray, Father, that now as your word is preached, that we would hear it and that we would not only hear, but we would apply your word to our lives and that we would grow and be strengthened and be changed from day to day by your word. I pray for my brother Phil as he speaks, Father, that he would only speak the things that are from you and that would be 
an edification to your body. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Um, before we turn our Bibles open and look at the word the Lord gave me, uh, those of you who know me well, you know I, um, I believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. At least it seems to flow out of me, so I guess I believe it. The verse says this, that there should be no division in the body, but that all the members should have the same care one for another. And the next verse, 26, says that when one weeps, we all weep together. When one is honored, we all rejoice with that member. It's like we all feel and do life together. And this morning, Jason is back with us. And we've walked, those of us who know Jason and know us as a church, have walked with Jason through um, God's special love that he poured out in his life. That seems ironic to the world, but that's really what happened. That's how heaven sees it. And so, uh, Jason, is it okay if we just pray with you? Would you mind coming up? And anyone who wants to come up, this is his first Sunday back. Uh, and I think it's right and good that we as a church come and just do this together. Because that's who we are. We're a family of God. So, Jason, if you want to come, and especially you as a ministry team, Anthony and Dad and Carrie, where's Carrie? Um, Dave, if you're around. Anyway, maybe we can just kneel together here. And uh, Anyone else who wants to come up, just come on up. We'll just pray together with Jason. Go ahead, brothers. Lord, I just thank you for my brother Jason, Lord, that he's here with us again, Lord. It's been a while, and we just thank you, Lord, that he's still going to go on, Lord. Yes. There's no turning back, Lord. We know Lori's not here this morning, Lord. She's with me, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we have that hope in our hearts, Lord, that we will be here again. So I just yes. thank you for Jason here with us, Lord. And I thank you for Lori and the testimony she's given in this church, Lord, and how we miss Amen. her, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the, the hope that is in you and in you alone. Without you, there is, there is no hope in this life or of our future. But, mm -hmm. but we have that, that hope in you. And I just pray, Lord, that that would continue to be real and be alive in our hearts and the hearts of Brother Jason. Father, that you would continue to do a mighty work in in his life and Amen, give Lord. him that supernatural strength. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Those around look on his life.
Let's welcome him back, by the way. And you can turn your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 15. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 15. As I was pondering... God's leading in my personal life, in our lives as a church, and in others of our friends, his children around the world. I was, my mind went to God's way with Israel. Now he led them from their life as they knew it to a life they did not know. And that's how it is in every one of our personal life's journey. The Lord leads us out from the past, a life that we have experienced and know, into a life which we do not know. In chapter 13, verse 17, the Lord comes to, through Moses to Pharaoh. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go, and God dealt with Pharaoh. But I want you to note this very significant experience in the life of the nation of Israel. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go. We know how God dealt with Pharaoh, right? That God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. And if you study how near it was for Israel to go from Egypt to the promised land by the way of the Philistines, it was only like a three-week journey. And they could have been there. Three weeks by foot. <clears throat> Even though it was near, for God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and they return to Egypt. Hence, God led. I want you to notice those three words. Hence, God led. 
God is still in the business of leading his people. Just like he did these people. These people didn't go out on their own initiative. It wasn't their own idea to leave Egypt and go to a land they didn't know. It wasn't some revelation they got at night laying on their beds. It was God coming to them through his servant Moses and leading them out through a word, a prophecy, through a word of calling them, come, God has a land prepared for you. And it was also a word of prophecy they had heard generations ago from Joseph and Jacob, and, but especially Joseph. Verse 18, hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went out in martial array from the land of Egypt. Now we're going to jump forward to chapter 15. You'll notice at the end of chapter 14, he leads them through the Red Sea. Verse 31, and when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So notice the condition of the souls of the people. There was a fear of God because of what they experienced through God dealing with Egypt in their life, delivering them out of Egypt. Through the Red Sea. And they believed in the Lord. They believed this is God. Doing this in my life. Those are two very significant. Acts of faith in our hearts. Brothers and sisters. Friends. When you see God. Do something in your life. It's a very personal experience. It's a, an experience of deliverance. Something you were enslaved to, whether it's enslaved to sin or enslaved to just a habit that you've wanted to shake all your life, or maybe enslaved to another person. Fear of man is a tremendous slave driver in all of our lives, right? And there is a significant time when God releases us from the fear of people and what people say and think. It's a big deal. If you've never experienced it, you should. Jesus has come into every one of our lives to release us from that fear of control in our lives. That's what happened to them. And you'll notice, as now read through chapter 15. I won't take the time to do it, but you can. They sang a new song of praise to the Lord. And Miriam took the women, and they were dancing in verse 20. And Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. By the way, this song is very significant. Later it was mentioned Numerous times, the song of Moses. And in Revelation, it tells us we're going to sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Jesus connected with this song. And he made it his own. And we're going to sing it one day. When we experience the deliverance 
from this earthly body. And our spirits are set free from all slavery and everything this world wants to entangle us with. What a song. Moving on. Verse 22, and here's where I like to start. This is where the Lord really spoke into my heart. And Before we read, I don't know what's going on with me the last two Sundays, but the Lord's giving me a title. And it's a bit scary, but it's also intriguing for me. And the title the Lord gave me was From Marah to Elim. From Marah to Elim. Now let's read and you'll get an understanding on that. Verse 22 of Exodus 15. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and which is now Saudi Arabia. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Have you ever been there? No? You've never went three days in a hike in the wilderness? without any water so you can't relate to them you have no idea what that feels like do you or do you it does feel horrible to have a dry throat yep especially if you have a dentist's fingers in your teeth you ever been to the dentist and their gloves have been all over your mouth for about an hour and you come out and you feel so dry and starchy and just Or have you tried something else which will give you the very similar taste? Try drinking ashen water. You ever try that? There's this medicine that I think Katie used to cook up sometimes for me. I don't know what it was. Had some kind of minerals that tasted like ashes and it was supposed to be good for your health and you drink it and it left your mouth completely dried out and you had a taste of ash. It was horrible. The only thing you wanted to do was just get a nice cold drink to wash it all away. Well, that was their, their experience. Three days, no water, in a hot, dry wilderness. So take this journey with them. Let's walk with them. Verse 23, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. That word in the Hebrew language means bitter, bitterness. Now, you're feeling like you're dying of thirst by three days without any water. I mean, just try to go three days without any water in a nice climate, right? You'll be very, very thirsty. And dehydrated. And you come for a drink. Can you imagine the excitement of Israel, about a million people, coming and seeing this big body of water? And they're running for it. They're probably running the kids are running out ahead there's there's all kind everybody's just wanting a drink and the first person to get down there and kneel down to that water and take it and put it into their mouth do you get the taste 
I hope you do. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Did you ever drink sweet water? You never put any sugar in any water and drank it. Sweet water. They didn't, it just didn't become just water. It became sweet. From bitter to sweet sugar water. You know why the Lord made it sweet? Here's my theory. They were so dehydrated, they needed some sugar. So he gave them sweet water. There he made for them a statue. And regulation. And there he tested them. Verse 26. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God. And do what is right in his sight. And give ear to his commandments. And keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you. Which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. You see, by that time, they needed healing. For real. Their physical bodies needed healing from the brutal heat and the dryness of the desert. And I don't know how many had drank this bitter water. But probably many of them. This didn't just happen with the first person tasting it and then God did the miracle. I, I think this was like... This, was, this may have taken a while for all of Israel to gather around there and start drinking it. And they drank this bitter water. They needed healing. Then they came to Elim. Where there were 12 springs of water. Not just wells of water. These were artesian wells. They didn't have to let a bucket down and draw and work hard to draw the water up. The water was flowing out of the earth. Twelve of these springs of water. One for every tribe of Israel. And more than that. And 70 date palms. Palm trees that gave them sweet fruit called dates. Have you ever eaten a date? I remember on our, one of our last trips to California delivering our tiny house, we stopped at this gas station. Remember, Lukey? And we found dates. Figs. But they did have dates, too. And, and that's right. The figs is what you liked. That's right. They had date milkshakes. Anthony doesn't have a good look on that. It was actually pretty good. It was supposed to be healthy for you. At least that's what I was trying to convince the boys. And they camped there beside the waters. Not only did God give them a place where there was, first he turned the sweet water, the bitter water sweet, but then he leads them into this place where there are artesian wells of water flowing and he gives them shade and fruit, sustenance. But there was a reason for this journey. Israel did not ask to go this way. 
the Lord led them intentionally this way. Why? It gives us the answer. In verse 25, there he, God, made for them a statute. You know what the word statute means? Read Psalm 119, and David speaks a lot about God's statutes and how he will relate to them. In one place he says, they are sweeter than honey for my soul. What do you do with God's statutes? Has God made any of those for you? Can someone tell me what the word statute means? What it is when God makes for you a statute. Okay. It's more than that. It is a command. It is an ordinance. So a command is something that he, a word of instruction, right? But then an ordinance means he makes it a law for us to live by, right? But a statute is a little different than that. The way I understand it. Anyone else? Yes. It is something to be remembered by. So when God gives you and I an, an experience, the root word is statue. Now what do you think when you see a statue? What is a statue? It is something you see, right? Something that's carved out of the rock. Something that is, it's made as a remembrance. And that's the experience that God made this for them to be. And the Lord still does this, dear brother, sister. See, what God was revealing to Israel was something new. They had not known about God to this day. They were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. That's like four generations. The generation that God now was leading out of Israel had heard all the stories about Abraham, about Isaac, and about Jacob. But they had never seen this God nor experienced him like this. They had heard the stories, but they had not experienced him. Now they were beginning to experience this God in Egypt by seeing the plagues he put upon the Egyptians, but they were spared from that. The land of Goshen didn't receive any of those plagues. When they had darkness, they had light. They didn't get, they weren't tortured by any of those plagues. So again, they heard this was happening over there, like in another state, you know, like over there in Kansas, but we're in Colorado. It's not happening here. This time, for the first time, as he led them through the Red Sea, they looked back and they seen the Egyptians floating in the water. They seen God in action. And then God leads them into this place of great testing, dryness, thirsting, feeling like they are, are not going to make it. And unless God does a miracle, guess what? They won't make it. They're all going to die right here. And then the Lord does a miracle. And if you want to do a very interesting Bible study, just look up some commentaries of all of the truth that men from ages have gleaned from the scripture. And some say it's the bitterness. Uh, and this is a good allegory. The bitter experiences in our life only turn sweet to us through the cross. And the tree is a significant 
is a, is a, is a resemblance of the cross of Jesus and how the Lord still used a tree to take the bitterness of death in the life of Jesus Christ to bring the resurrection and the glories of the resurrection and the power of the new life that came out of Jesus. The forgiveness of our sins is now available to us through a very simple confession and faith. Believing in the heart, confession with our mouth. Our sins are forgiven. Repentance is made available to us. Without the blood of animals and all of these other things. It's amazing how the cross has taken the bitterness of life itself. That came through spiritual death to all of us. And has transformed it into sweetness. And so that's a very good allegory. But there are more. But I want you to notice. He made a statue and a regulation. This is who I am, Israel. This is who I am. This is my way with you. I want you to get to know me. And he tested them. And this is his instruction. Out of that test, he gave them this instruction. Israel, the way forward from now on, Israel, the way to walk with me, Israel, my people, is this way. Verse 26, if you will give earnest heed, that word earnest is careful. It comes from this, from like from your heart. Like it's different. The, the contrast would be careless. You know, if you do something carelessly, you're still doing it. It reminds me of myself a lot. Have you ever done this? When your wife is trying to tell you something? And I always try to convince my wife, I can do two things and listen. I can, I, I'm actually listening. Go ahead, honey. I'm, I'm sending this email, but I'm listening to you. Or I'm, you know, have you ever tried that? Would you call that earnest listening? Me either. That would be careless listening, distracted listening. You can put all kinds of words, but that's the contrast that God is setting in front of his people here. Hey, Israel, don't listen to me like that. Don't be a busy person listening. Or like Martha in the kitchen. She was probably overhearing Jesus in the other room. But the difference between Martha and Mary was Mary left the kitchen and sat. At his feet. Undistracted listening. The Lord was giving starting right out with this. Hey Israel. From now on if you want to follow me. I need undistracted listening. That's the way. From Morah. To Elim. It starts there. Do you give the Lord Jesus that. In your life. Do you take the bitter testing experience that God brings into your life whatever that may be and for Jason and for us as a church we've tasted the bitter taste of death of glory now what how do we go forward Jason how do we walk with God now what how do you leave the, the bitterness of soul, the anguish of the pain 
of your experience, whatever that is. And it tested you severely, and you knew, you knew that God was the one who led you there. You didn't go over there on your own idea. You didn't start out with it. You didn't come out with this idea. You were following God. And it got harder and harder. You got thirstier and thirstier. And he led you to the place. And it was bitter instead of sweet. And then God turned it through a miracle into sweetness. But he didn't want you to stay there and camp there. Because that sugar won't sustain you. The highness of the sweetness. You Quickly, the Lord moved them on to springs of water. Fresh water. And shade and dates. From Marah to Elim. The way there is through attentive listening. That's how the Lord's been speaking to me. It's the only way out. You know what's going to happen to every one of us if we don't give the Lord that careful, attentive listening? At best, I'll go backwards. At best, we'll be Martha's. You know the story of Martha, right? Jesus came to Martha and Mary's house and... Martha all of a sudden had at least 13 people in the house to feed, 13 hungry men. And she was a responsible woman. She loved Jesus. And so she goes to the kitchen and she's starting to cook a meal. And, and her sister Mary, she, Jesus is in the other room. And, he, and, and she just goes and sits down at Jesus' feet and listening. And after a while, Martha comes over to Jesus. And she's bothered and she's anxious, troubled. Jesus said, you're troubled and you're bothered about many things, Martha. But Mary chose the one good part. In fact, then Jesus says, more than that, the only necessary part of life. And it won't be taken away from her. Jesus hadn't come to the house to eat, though food was okay. He had come to fellowship. Don't ever forget that. Jesus does not come to us primarily to meet our physical needs. He comes to you and me to fellowship. And so often, I find in my life, what I really want from Jesus and what I want to give to Jesus is what Martha. My mind is around my physical needs. And Jesus' mind is on my spiritual needs. And because my mind is there, I quickly become bothered and anxious. I become anxious about, I'm not getting my work done. I'm not doing it properly. And I become bothered with others who are doing it differently. Who are not helping me out. You ever? Can you relate to that? If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. They had just seen that. For I, the Lord, am your healer. 
How do we find healing from these experiences? This is the way, my dear brothers and sisters. And if you and I try any other way, it'll make us sicker and sicker and sicker with ourselves, with God, and sin will come in and begin to eat at us. Have you felt that? I have in the last week and especially in the last couple days. I'm sharing with you from my own heart. The warning the Lord gave me was in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. That's the test. What will you go to? You know... How Esau was feeling? You know the story of Esau and Jacob. Esau was out hunting. And he came home and he had nothing. You ever hunted? Didn't get anything? Went fishing, me too. Caught no fish. Now Esau was hungry. Very hungry. I don't know how many days he had been out there hunting. But he had been out there hunting. And he came back and he was so hungry. And his brother Jacob was cooking a big pot of stew. And he comes in, and if you've ever walked into the kitchen after a long day's of work and you haven't eaten lunch and you're really hungry and your wife is cooking, cooking a pot of stew, you know how stew just fills the house with this aroma. And boom, it hits Esau. And he's like, give me some of that soup. Jacob, please, I'm dying. And Jacob goes, hmm. I'll give you this soup if you give me your birthright. I'm not going to just give him the soup for free. It's going to come at a cost. But the cost doesn't need to be paid today. It's delayed. And so Esau thinks a little bit about this, and he goes, who cares about my birthright? I'm going to die anyway. That's what he said to Jacob. I don't care. I'm going to be dead before my dad dies if I don't have something to eat. I won't get the birthright anyway. That's how he's thinking through this. So Jacob says, okay, sure. And he says, sure thing. Shake hands. Give me the stew. Immediate gratification. Because I'm going to die anyway. Watch out. The Holy Spirit is saying, this is what you and I will do too. If we allow a root of bitterness. And that word springing up is the word swelling. To swell up. Starts real small. 
You know how, have you ever gotten a swelling somewhere in your skin? It doesn't just like overnight, poof, and you got a big swell on your hand, right? No. If you get a splinter, it doesn't just explode on you with a big bob of pus. And, no. It, it, it slowly, slowly starts getting more red, more red. And as the infection grows, it gets worse and worse and worse. And you can easily ignore it for a while. That's the context. The Hebrew writer, the Holy Spirit, through the Hebrew writer, is warning you and I today, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness swelling up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And the sentence doesn't stop. He's not changing the subject. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau. Esau lost his morality, the inner strength to do what is right. He lost it. And so it became an immoral act for him. He lost his morality and he forgot about God at that moment. Godness. God wasn't there in his thoughts. For a single meal traded his eternal inheritance his earthly inheritance but you and I do it with our eternal inheritance and you see that's the danger every one of us are in right now in this world we have trouble but be of good cheer I have overcome the world Jesus said but you and I don't experience that overcoming right now so where's our cheer where are we going to get our good cheer from where from tomorrow's inheritance. And to get there, the only way from when we experience the bitterness of life and the bitter waters of Marah and the testing of our faith to taking us to a place, just another nine days journey. Did I say that right? I think actually it was nine miles. Let me go back to Exodus. I don't want to say it wrong. Let's see. Perhaps I read that somewhere. I think it was... um, nine miles from that place it it doesn't actually say but that journey it takes this careful listening and remembrance of his statutes in our life and dear brother sister i have seen that in my own life because in the last month i found myself becoming like israel in malachi have you ever found yourself like this and i'm speaking this word to myself as I'm sharing it with you. In Malachi, this is about, the book of Malachi was written through the time of Nehemiah, and it was almost a hundred years after um, Israel, the first group of Israelites had left Babylon and gone back to, to uh, the, the land of Israel. They had built, huh? Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were saying so. Yeah, in the, land, in the time of Nehemiah, but they had, they had, 
built the temple. They had, they had put together worship. They, had, they were serving God. They had left Babylon and come back. God had led them there. But something was happening to Israel. Things were hard. They had expected a land, a time of golden prosperity where God would bless them because that was the prophecy that had took them back there. Go back and read Ezekiel and Isaiah and how God would bless them when they come back. And it wasn't happening quite like they had imagined. And this is what was happening to them. In chapter 1, the Lord says, verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? Where's my honor? Does God ever ask you that? If I'm your father, where is my honor in your life? And if I'm your master, if you don't know me as your father, but you're, you're relating to me as your, your master, well, even a master has respect. He says, where's my respect in your life? Where is it? Can God find it in your life? Honor and respect from you. But you say, how have we despised your name? We haven't. Now notice the different word that Israel was using here. I want to point this out to you because it's very important. God is asking for honor and respect. And Israel answers him and says, I didn't despise you. Huh. That's not what God was saying. God didn't say they despised him. Now, there's a big difference in our life of giving someone honor and respect or actually despising somebody. Do you know that difference? You've had those, that different feeling and emotion and way in your life, right? When you despise something, you hate it. You turn away from it. Have you ever despised food? Something you just, it makes you nauseous. Mm, we all have that, right? Just the very smell of it. Just, you can't stand the taste of it. That's the word despise. Maybe you feel that way about a person. Now, we as Christians say, oh, no, no, we don't despise anybody. But maybe, maybe. So Israel was saying, I didn't reject you, God. You're not nauseous to me. You know, we come to the temple, we sing, we praise, we... We didn't reject you, God, but that's not what God was looking for. He was looking for honor and respect. And so there was not, they weren't connecting. They weren't understanding God. In chapter 3, this is how they were feeling about God. In chapter 3, Verse 13, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? They weren't like despisingly speaking against God, but God says their words were arrogant. You have said it is vain to serve God. God is not giving me what he promised. I'm, I'm empty here, Lord. It's not profitable. You led me to this place. And I thought you were going to bless me with a lot of money. I mean, this was a huge step of faith in my life. I made great sacrifice for you, Jesus, just to obey you, to go there. Where's the money? 
Have you ever asked God, where's the money? Come on. I have. Where's the blessing, God? I came here. I sacrificed. And I get this. Where is it? It was in their hearts. They were feeling it is. What profit is it that we kept your charge? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. And this is the attitude that begins to twist in our hearts. So now we call the arrogant blessed. Those people that speak so arrogantly and are proud. Seems like everything goes well with them. Outwardly, they're blessed. They're rich. They say they don't even really need God. They tell me it's a waste to make these kind of sacrifices for the Lord. You know, all of the things that I'm doing because I love you, Lord. And I look around and I say, these people aren't doing it. And they're wealthy and everything's going well. And they're, they seem really happy. That's what was happening to Israel. The attitude. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God. They even do worse than that. They test God on purpose. And they escape. This is how Israel was feeling towards God. And I want you to notice what happened in the middle of this. When the Lord brings the correction, this is the antidote, the answer to that attitude, that root of bitterness. Then, verse 16, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. Notice again, honor and respect. And when the Lord sees the people in the middle of that kind of situation, come and give him honor and respect. The Lord writes it down. He pays attention to it. He writes it down. And this is what the Lord says. And they will be mine. The Lord begins to take ownership of us. He draws us near and he relates to us like this. Says the Lord of hosts, On the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Wow. So as we walk through this journey of life, we will have many maras in our life, all of us to one degree or another. And those of us who are older, we've had our share of them, right? And we live in a world that is full of death and sorrow and disappointment and struggle. Bitter water, walking through deserts, being led by God there. Not by our own sin, by God. And the danger is this. When you and I are led by God through those journey, dry areas in our life, and He gives us bitter water, and then makes it sweet. The way to the well of springing water and dates and shade from God is... Don't allow jadedness to sit in your heart because it can harden us and we lose the presence of Jesus in it all.
we just kind of become numb and then we begin to say, God, why are the arrogant blessed and the wicked prosper? And like Esau, there'll be a Jacob in our life with a good pot of tasty, good smelling stew. Right now, present, momentary, relief and food. But he won't give it free. Trade me your birthright, he says. And I'll give you immediate blessing. You won't have to endure this hardness. That God who you say and his word says all these things about his children. Where is it now? I'll give you a pot of porridge. That'll satisfy you. And if we are allowed jadedness or any kind of bitterness to swell up in our hearts through these kind of experiences, we'll trade it right then and there. We'll trade it. Don't think you won't. You will. I will too. I almost did. I almost did. In the last couple of days, I realized this, this attitude was settling into my heart. Watch out. The Holy Spirit never warns us for no reason. He warns us because it's real life test. And this word is for all of us. Right now. I realized as I listen, two things happened to me. The other day, as I was feeling this, the Lord said this to me. Phil, go back again to Isaiah 50 and look how I make my disciples. Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. Do you speak like a disciple of Jesus now in this situation? This is the only way you and I will speak like a disciple. Have the tongue, the words of a follower of Jesus. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. How does he do it? He wakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. How did the disciples listen? In the busyness of their life? No. How did they listen? Peter put it into clear words. Lord, we have left everything and followed you. Where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. And not only did I listen, I wasn't disobedient to what I heard. Nor did I turn back to that jaded feeling that I'm having right now. I gave my back to those who strike me. And my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. 
I do not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Do you notice what was happening here? Isaiah was saying, this is what happens to a disciple. The hardness you won't turn away from. You'll find God in it. You won't run away from it. You'll find God in it. And the Lord said to me, Phil, come and just sit at my feet. Just come alone with me. Because I find what I want to do is find a distraction. It's too much. I can't take this. Let me just sit down and watch a good movie. Let me sit down and watch some TV. Let me just go out and do something to get my mind off of it. And what God is saying is, come and find me and listen to me. It's the only way to leave. If you hear me closely, I'll guide you to the springs of water and the palm trees. And there, I'll camp out with you where you can, your life is sustained. But the only way there, you'll never find it on your own and you'll never find it through distractions. You only find it one way, coming alone with God, listening to his word. And then obeying, setting your heart like a flint, your face like a flint and saying, I'll walk through this, Lord, because you sustain me. In Psalm 63, all oh, this beautiful word, you will find David, this is his heart, in the middle of his desert. And this is probably one of the, the psalms that have been the most encouraging to me because when David wrote Psalm 63, he was in the wilderness of Judah running away from Saul. And if you go back to... 1 Samuel 23, 24, 25, you can read David's experience and how Saul would come out and chase him and others would betray him. And, hey, Saul, David's hiding back here in our back, back neck of the woods. Here's where David is. And he couldn't trust anyone running for his life, living in a wilderness. And he hadn't gone there because he sinned. God just dropped it on him. And this is what David says. Oh God, Psalm 63, 1. Thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. Same word. Hebrews 12, right? Earnestly. Exodus 16, earnestly. I will seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So what does he, where does he find the water? Look where he goes. Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary, that most holy place in your heart, that inner man, David beholds God. To see thy power and thy glory, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise thee. And you can just read through this psalm and notice where David goes and where, he, where it takes him, how it lifts his spirit up 
as he draws near to God. There are a couple books that have been very helpful to me. I want to recommend them to you. One is A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. Have you ever read it? You should. I'll read a short excerpt. Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the longing seeking. Moses used the fact that he knew God as an argument for knowing him better. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And from there he rose to making the daring request, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God was frankly pleased by this display of ardor. And the next day called Moses into the mount and there in solemn procession made all his glory pass before him. David's life was a torrent of spiritual desire and his psalms ring with the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. Paul, confessing the mainspring of his life to be his burning desire after Christ, that I may know him was the goal of his heart. And to this, he sacrificed everything. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but refuse that I may win Christ. He continues by mentioning many others. And if you and I will just open the books and take time alone with God, you will find here a great cloud of witnesses, a fellowship of men and women throughout the ages who in their journey of life experienced the very same things. The nature of the things were the same. Maybe the experiences varied, but the trial and the test and the endurance it took and the faith was all the same. You should read it. The Pursuit of God. Elizabeth Elliot was a great comfort to me in the last couple of weeks. Has she been to you? Do you know who she was? Elizabeth Elliot. If you've never heard the name, again, you should. She was a young woman who had married a young man, and they felt God calling them to go down into Ecuador, South America, and preach the gospel to remote tribes who hadn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, her husband and five others, five total, I think, were killed by these people. And Elizabeth Elliot, through that journey of her life, the Lord used her in amazing ways to speak and minister God's grace to his children. But even a more amazing thing happened, and you can Google this, by the way. I think you can even download the movie. They came out with a movie back, I think, in the early 2000s, maybe 2005, as I recall, 
about the truth of what happened. The chief of this tribe, years and years later, his son, after getting born again by the gospel, by the way, after they were killed, they, they went back, Elizabeth and others, went back to the same tribe and converted them to Jesus Christ. The same tribe, the same place where her husband was killed and others. She did not turn her face and walk away from God. No, she fulfilled Isaiah 50 in her life. She took the cross of Jesus Christ in that bitter water. And it became sweet water to her. But more than sweet water, because of the Holy Spirit putting a love in her heart for these people. And her obedient ear to the voice of God's call on her life. Without her husband goes back to the same tribe. And wins them for Jesus Christ. And years later, the son of the chief and another one of the men's sons. Was it Nate Saint's son? Do you remember, Carrie? It was one of them. You can look up the movie. Began to travel the world together and share the gospel of the story of God's love and forgiveness and how it conquers and wins men's hearts. Because one woman and a few others did not turn away from disappointment, discouragement, the sting of death, and all that assailed them. What would you do in your walk with Jesus? Going back to this tribe, would you not just want to go home and forget it? Lord, you said you sent us. You said you'd be with us. And our husbands are killed. I'm packing my bags and going home. I'll still love you. But that call in my life, nah, done with that. Don't even know if you were there. But because her secret, because of the secret she learned from Isaiah 50, she went back. And she went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. And she wrote many books. She wrote one, Keep a Quiet Heart. That was the secret of her strength, she says. Keep a quiet heart. Listen to the Lord Jesus. Have a discipled tongue. That's our only hope, dear brothers and sisters, as we walk through this life. If you want to get from Marah to Elim, keep a quiet, listening heart. Or else you will become jaded and that bitterness will begin to swell up in our hearts and we'll trade our birthright. We'll trade our birthright for a cup of I believe that there'll be many more deaths that you and I will walk in. It's only going to get a lot worse as we near the ends of times. And all the things that Jesus said are going to come upon this earth will come. And guess what? You and I are going to experience them. Many of them. And that'll mean experiencing death death of dreams, death of physical relationships, physical death, all kinds of 
because that will grow up all around us. Will it jade you? Will it cause you to be like them in Malachi? It is vain to serve the Lord. Unless you keep a quiet heart and come and sit in his sanctuary and experience Psalm 63 with David, we'll trade our birthright. Don't let the devil do it to you. Come, draw near to God. He'll draw near to us. And we will be rescued. You and I continue to be rescued. And find in him not only our salvation, but our life. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for that encouragement from the Word of God. The trials of this life, as real as they are, as difficult as they can be in in our flesh, they're just for a moment. In God's time, it's just a moment. So as Phil showed us in Psalm there, I've I've been really encouraged myself looking at that part of of David's life. I'm sure there there were times he got discouraged. There were times he was like, Lord, can't you just kill all my enemies for me? But that ultimately was not the guiding factor of his life. He came into the presence of the Lord and found that he is good. And that, I think, is a challenge for each one of us here today. Thank you for those words. That will bring us to the end of this part of our service. I think lunch is ready. It smells like it's ready. And uh, I think I'm ready to partake of that. How about you, Lukey? You hungry for that? All right. Well, there's two of us in agreement, so uh, I guess that's the direction we'll go here. All right. Well, let's stand and we'll have a dismissing prayer and uh, a blessing on the meal. Thank you, Father, for this time that you have given us here this morning to gather together to worship you, to praise you, to hear from you. And I pray, Father, that you would encourage each heart here this morning in Whatever place we find ourselves in life, in difficulty, in joy, in sorrow, in pain, whatever it may be, that we would know and understand fully that you are good and you are directing the paths of our lives. I pray, Father, that you would bless our time of fellowship here this afternoon and the meal that's prepared, that you would bless it and give us strength. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're dismissed.